Hi, everyone. Welcome to Big Tent USA. Thanks for joining us today. Um, Big Tent USA is building a women-led voter coalition to protect the guardrails of democracy, ensure government accountability and transparency, and increase civic participation. We have great events coming up, so please check our website, uh, sign up for our newsletter. On Tuesday, May 16th at 12 noon Eastern time, we'll be joined by Ballotpedia to learn more about civic-led legislation. Wednesday, May 31st at 7 p.m. Eastern time, historian David Greenberg and journalist John Alter will discuss key events in our history that have brought us to this watershed moment. Wednesday, June 14th, 7 p.m., Academy Award-nominated screenwriter Billy Ray and public opinion researcher Gretchen Barton break down how voters feel about the state of the nation and how to message across the political divide. I'm thrilled to introduce our guest moderator and Jessica Craven, a true friend of Big Tent and democracy. Jessica Craven is a community organizer, activist, mom, an elected member of the Los Angeles County Democratic Party. She's also the author of Chop Wood, Carry Water, a daily actions email that has been that's published five days a week since November of 2016. If you haven't signed up for it, you must sign up for it. We've got the link in the chat. It's fantastic. It's my go-to. She's a member of the California Democratic Party's Environmental and Progressive Caucuses, a climate activist and grassroots volunteer who has knocked doors, phone banked, fundraised, texted, and postcard, postcarded. Jessica has made it her mission to get regular people more involved with politics on both the federal and local level and conducts Activism 101 workshops to groups all over the country, including Big Tent. She also does this on TikTok. So everyone start uh, sign up for TikTok where she's a political content creator. Take it away, Jessica, and thank you for coming. Well, thank you for having me. Hi, everybody. Uh, it is so wonderful and exciting to see so many people here this morning. Big Tent, thank you for having me. Uh, you all are incredible. And yeah, I'm glad that everybody here will, I think, automatically be added to Big Tent's list. And that's a great thing because they get the best speakers. Um, and that is true. I'm not just saying that. Uh, and this morning, we have one of them. So uh, I am very excited, and you all know that I'm very excited about this event because um, uh, helping people with voter ID and voting, you know, overcoming voter suppression in general is something that is um, not only close to my heart and close to all of your hearts, I know, but is going to is is just growing in um, in its critical nature as we see more and more voter suppression across the country, and as we see voter ID laws become one of the main ways. Uh, that uh, voters are blocked from um, using their voices. And so today, we are so pleased and excited to welcome Sylvester Johnson III, National Volunteer Manager and Georgia Voter ID Coalition Coordinator for Vote Riders, an incredible organization. Uh, Georgia born and raised Sylvester Johnson's civic engagement began in high school when he worked with organizations such as the Special Olympics of Georgia. And after graduating from Howard University, Sylvester returned to his home state and served as the political director for Carolyn Bordeaux's campaign for Congress in Georgia's 7th Congressional District in 2018. And now as the National Volunteer Manager at Vote Riders, Sylvester is excited to apply his passion for civic engagement by helping further Vote Riders' mission to ensure that all citizens 
are able to exercise their right to vote. And with that, I will turn it over to Sylvester and let's hear more about the amazing work that he and Vote Riders are doing. Please join me in giving him a silent clapping welcome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jessica. And thank you all from Big Ten for having me here today. Mashi mentioned I am the National Volunteer Manager and Georgia Coalition Coordinator here at Vote Riders. May need to update my um, bio a little. I've been here for almost four years, going to be four years um, in beginning of September, but I've grown so much. The uh, organization Vote Riders has grown so much in the four years. And um, some of you may have joined us last year for a talk, but I'm so excited to share it for folks who are returning and folks that are hearing this for the first time about the great work that we do here at Vote Riders and the impact that we're having in some of our target states and across um, the United States. And so with that being said, I'm going to jump into a little presentation to talk about the work that we're doing here at Vote Riders, the impact that we're having, and then talk about some of the impact that folks at Big Tent have had um, collaborating with us and how you can continue to grow that impact. Let me share my screen. Awesome. And so you all should be seeing uh, the title page for my presentation, of course, Boat Riders and Big Tent USA. Um, great partners, great collaboration. So thankful to be here today and for the work that you all have done with us um, throughout 2022 when we first started this um, partnership and the work that we're going to get done in 2023 and beyond. So let me tell you a little bit about Boat Riders. Boat Riders has been on the ground. Um, for 11 years, so we were founded back in 2012 in response to growing uh, voter ID laws. Our founder, Kathleen Unger, when she saw these, she jumped into action and said, we need to help folks um, who are troubled by these voter ID laws, who don't have access to the ballot, help them in any way possible that we can. And we do that as a nonpartisan organization. So that means anyone who reaches out to us, anybody who needs assistance, anybody that we come across to come across in our everyday work, whether that's in the field or virtually, we're gonna provide that assistance to them because we are a 501c3 and we do this work nationwide. We're gonna talk about some of the target states where we have staff on the ground, where we channel some of our volunteer efforts, but anybody that reaches out to us um, across the United States, whether you're in a voter ID state, whether you're in a non-voter ID state, if they need help getting an ID, we are gonna make sure that we're able to facilitate that process. And the way that we do that, the way that we're able to have this work nationwide is because we have over 1,250 plus partners um, and over 10,000 volunteers, like a lot of the volunteers at Big Tent USA who help us um, make sure that we're able to achieve our mission. And so you're seeing a pretty big number on your screen right now, over 20, 29 million voting age Americans don't have a current driver's license. In any state that's a voter ID state, that's one of two of the most common forms and always accepted forms of voter ID that um, and a state ID. That number has changed. We're going to talk about some of the research we've done, some of the updates that we've had in 2023 since these past election cycles. But that number used to sit at 25 million. And so that makes the work that our volunteers are doing, our staff are doing so important because we know more and more people are getting impacted by these voter ID laws. And we want to make sure that they have the voice to make sure that their ballot is cast successfully and um, that they have a say in our democracy. And so disproportionately impacted by voter ID laws. So through the work that we do here at Vote Riders, um, when we're engaging with Partners, when we're engaging with community organizations, talking to folks, when people reach out to us, 
These are the folks we hear from the most, um, the folks we know who need our assistance the most, whether that's Black voters, Hispanic voters, women voters who may have changed their name because they got married or divorced, so what's on their ID or their license may not match what's on their registration. Um, young and student voters have a slide coming up talking about how they're impacted. We'll share some of the work that we do um, with young and student voters at Vote Riders. Uh, voters 65 and plus, transgender and non-binary voters, indigenous voters, and low-income and unhoused voters. So when we're working, when you're working with us as a volunteer, when you're writing letters, sending texts, um, answering helpline calls, uh, following up to people who reached out on the chat box, these are the folks that we engage with and that we are going to be trying to make sure that we're able to assist. And of course, our goal here at Vote Riders, whenever we're doing something, whenever we're providing literature to some of our partners, whenever we're doing work in the community, hosting a voter ID clinic, is we want to make sure that voters in key states know exactly what ID they need to vote and they know how to reach out to Vote Riders for assistance and know that we are here to support. And one of the key aspects of that is we provide that free assistance to voters um, from start to finish. And so we never want um, money or a monetary thing to be uh, the obstacle that stops the person from being able to vote. And so uh, we help folks get supporting documents. A lot of the people we engage with, that's where it starts. So we help them secure a birth certificate, um, social security card if necessary. Um, and then we make sure that they can get to and from the DMV. Uh, we provide those rides free of charge. And then we also pay for the ID. And so we want to make sure that we're seeing folks uh, throughout the process so they can eventually get that ID and be able to cast that ballot. Because having that ID is so important, not just to being part of the democracy, being able to have that voice, but if you're applying for housing, looking for a job, even trying to get access to health care, if you don't have that ID, that can throw a wrench in your plan. And so we want to alleviate those hurdles from folks every day's life. And so one thing we've seen in the work that we do here at Vote Riders is confusion is so widespread. There's several reasons that could lead to um, folks being confused. Um, one is because these laws are constantly changing. We'll show on a slide coming up talking about some of the changes we've seen recently, some of the states that have implemented changes. And when we see these, we jump into action, making sure we're updating our website with that key information, updating the information we're providing our partners, and making sure that folks can always rely on us whenever we see these changes new laws are adopted, or if laws become stricter in some states. And then voter ID can be different whether you're voting by mail or voting um, in person. And so however someone chooses to exercise their right to vote, we want to make sure they know the exact steps they need to take to successfully cast that ballot. And then lastly, uh, poll workers are just like me and you. And so when we see these changes, um, when we have someone working there, they may not be uh, familiar with all the acceptable forms of ID. Of course, we just touched on the most two most common ones, whether that's a current driver's license or a state ID, government issued ID. But some states have uh, more expanded things. You can uh, sign an affidavit. There's a lot of things that you may be able to do to um, circumnavigate that. But if they're not prepared, we want to make sure that the voter is prepared. So if they run into any issues, they know how to overcome them. And so in 2023, 36 states currently have voter ID laws on the books. And this is a pretty recent um, presentation, but if you've been paying attention to the news recently, um, that's even changed and that should be up to 37 now. Um, if you've uh, seen over the weekend, uh, North Carolina has adopted um, some voter ID laws along with some other laws that stop uh, 
previously incarcerated folks, returning citizens from voting. And so again, we see that these laws are constantly changing, that they're adding more and more uh, states are adding voter ID laws. And so that is where it stood, um, not even just a week ago, uh, that is, it was at 36 and then we've seen that list continue to grow. And as of April, 2023, six states have passed or poised to enact uh, new voter ID measures alone and more are foreshadowed. And again, we see this, we have folks on our team monitoring it. We are um, keeping aware so that when this happens, we can spring into action and be a resource to those voters. And so now what you're seeing is a map that kind of um, talks about voter ID across the country. And we'll talk about um, a little bit about what this means. You'll see first the states in the white states like California states and Nevada. These are no voter ID states. So once you participated in your first federal election, you should not be asked to show ID when you go to cast the ballot. And so if you move over to these states in the blue, these are states that are voter ID states, one of the categories we have on this map. And so you do need some form of ID to participate in that voting process. And then the states in yellow, these are also voter ID states, but they had new laws affected, um, either new or stricter laws um, that went into effect for the 2022 election. Again, I'm the Georgia coalition coordinator as one of my roles here as vote writers. So I'll point to Georgia uh, back after the 2020 um, runoff, the runoff that happened at the beginning of 2021, um, January 5th, a date that was a little overshadowed about um, after because some things that transpired the day after, but uh, we sent um, senators to the uh, senators to uh, Congress. And so then in Georgia, we enacted SB 202. And so that changed a way that folks were able to vote by mail. Um, when you were able to vote by mail, we used to have a signature match um, that will verify and make your ballot cast now. Um, and when it was first for the first federal election, the first statewide elections, um, in 2022, folks had to uh, either add their ID number or add a copy of the ID that they were planning to use. And so that was a big change for a lot of voters, a lot of voters who um, may have voted in the past only using that signature who may not have had that ID or who may have just voted in the past. Um, and so they weren't aware of these changes. They may have had their ballot rejected. So we did a lot of work on the ground to make sure that folks were aware of this change and to assist as many voters as possible um, to make sure that they are ready for uh, the changing uh, state of play here in Georgia. But now let's look over to some of these orange states. These are states that are passed or pending um, legislation in 2023. Another one of our key states that we just brought on, Ohio, a state that we'll talk about more where you can engage with here and vote riders. They um, adopted new and um, strict voter ID laws. States like Arizona have and adopted laws that fed, uh, impact their federal only voters. And so again, we see this changing um, circumstances across the United States. And so we are making sure that we're prepared, knowledgeable, preparing our partners and the people on the ground whenever these laws come into effect. And so on the ground in key states, again, uh, we will assist anybody across the United States um, that needs an ID, but we have staff teams on the ground that are working in some several several key states to make sure that we're able to help folks impacted by voter ID, uh, building uh, partnerships in the community, finding democracy partners, local community partners, so that they can host our voter ID clinics, so we can provide assistance, and then just build the footprint that we have 
and boat rider. Again, um, in these key states, that's again when we're doing volunteer work, whether that's text banking, letter writing, um, those or phone banking, that is where we target a lot of our work and our outreach. And so now in these next couple slides, uh, we're going to you're going to see some of our target states for 2023. Again, if you've joined us um, in the past or if you've worked with boat riders, you'll be familiar with those. But we have added some because um, of our expanded focus in this year. And of course, Arizona, um, that is going to be one of our target states. Again, they adopted new legislation that affects um, those federal only voters. And so uh, when you have a chance, if you're ever riding with us, we did text banks to Arizona earlier ahead of their elections. Uh, but we also did um, text, um, do letter writing. We're continuing to do letter writing to those folks who are impacted specifically by um, those new changes in the, um, in the voting laws here in Arizona. And so we've had staff on the ground working, building those relationships to make sure we're able to reach out to the folks in Arizona. And for our next state, Florida, Florida has always been one of our key states ever since I was here at Boat Riders. We have great staff on the ground. Um, some of our greatest partners that help with our voter ID assistance, they are based in Florida and um, Tampa, um, the Tampa Bay area specifically. And so Florida has been one of those voter ID states which we have been focusing on uh, for a long time here at Boat Riders. And then, of course, the Peach State, again, my home state, the state where I currently live, Georgia, has those strict voter ID laws. We talked a little bit about SB202, which made them even stricter. And so we're doing work on the ground. I'm doing that, again, with one of my colleagues, Monica, who's also based in the Columbus area here in Georgia. And we're doing voter ID clinics, reaching out to folks to make sure that they're prepared. Um, here at Vote Riders, we never say that there's an off year. Uh, we are always saying that there's folks that need ID because the ID process can always take a little longer depending on where someone's at and we see them from start to finish and so we don't ever deem um, uh, 2023 or anything like that as an off year we're always working towards making sure folks are prepared and that means they're prepared for when this uh, uh, federal elections but also local and municipal elections because we want people to have that voice have a say in what's happening in their communities in north carolina uh, North Carolina, one of our colleagues, one of my colleagues, Pam, uh, she has been based in North Carolina. She's held different roles on our legal, our in-house legal director, voter ID assistant um, director, but she has been based in North Carolina for a long time. And we have had our eye on North Carolina for a while because they have had these uh, they have had these voter potential voter ID laws pending, making their way through the courts. And so we've been aware that these could take effect um, at any day any day and it's just so happened that day came in the last week and so we are going to make sure that we are preparing folks we have already built a footprint uh, pam does a lot of voter id clinics assisting low-income voters going to shelters going to communities to make sure that people have that id and so we have already started and started to build um, the footprint we have at boat riders in north carolina and so now that these laws are enacted that folks are going to have to deal with these voter id laws when they uh, plan to vote in the upcoming elections, uh, we are ready to make sure that they know the steps they need to take. And Ohio. Ohio is one of our newer states that we've added to our target states, just like uh, North Carolina, but Ohio is important because they adopted new voter ID laws as well. We actually just brought on a coalition coordinator in for the state of Ohio. She 
holds a role that I hold here in Georgia. And so we are building community partners. I know, um, I believe folks are building today in Ohio, but we have a letter writing campaign that we'll discuss a little bit more. And we're going to continue um, to write to those voters in Ohio because these voter ID laws are new, because we are newly on the ground. We want to make sure that we are having an impact in preparing uh, folks in Ohio. And we're working with a specific list of those folks when we're writing to Ohio um, that our registered voters but don't have an ID file with the state. We have similar lists for this um, when we do our work here in Georgia, but those are the people we're targeting in the state of Ohio. And so we feel like it is paramount that we reach out to these voters and make sure that they are prepared. And Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania um, is another key state that we work in. Pennsylvania, we've had uh, organizers in the Pittsburgh area and um, in the Philadelphia area as well, but we are trying to build that coalition because uh, Pennsylvania has some may seem um, unique uh, voter ID laws. Voter ID um, showing ID is only required when you're a first time voter. So folks who are voting for the first time need to show their ID. But also if you're a first um, time voter in a precinct. So if you move, let's say you do you used to live in um, Philadelphia, but you move uh, to Pittsburgh or you move anywhere in the state. If that's your first time voting in that precinct, uh, you'll be you'll have to show ID. And so that can trip folks up as they move, even as um, maybe some of these lines change for redistricting or whatever the case may be. So we want to make sure that folks are prepared in the state of Pennsylvania. That is why they are one of our target states. And then Texas, the lone, uh, the lone star state. We have been doing a lot of work um, in Texas. Our national outreach director is in Texas. We have organizers in the Houston area. Um, we just did a text bank to folks in San Antonio and Dallas ahead of their upcoming elections. And so we are definitely um, expanding the reach. There's so many folks in Texas, so many people that need assistance. Some of our biggest funders are there as well. And so we wanna make sure that we are spreading the word and having that impact in the state of Texas. In Wisconsin, Wisconsin has had voter ID laws um, for one of the first states to adopt some of these voter ID laws, one of the first states that we focused on here at Vote Riders. And so we have always been attached to Wisconsin. Our Wisconsin Coalition Coordinator, Nick, he is a great person, does a lot of great work um, connecting and building that outreach. Um, if you're, if anybody is from Wisconsin or they keep up with Wisconsin politics, uh, they will, you may have seen Nick's face. They just named um, the month of uh, April, Voter ID Month, um, Action Month. And um, that's a lot of thanks to the work that Nick does, making sure that he is building the presence in um, Wisconsin and making sure that folks across that state are prepared to participate in elections. And he did great work ahead of those elections earlier this year um, for the Supreme Court and some other local offices as well. But Wisconsin is always a key state for vote riders and always, um, we've always worked to have a great impact there. Um, so those are some of our target states that we've been focused on um, for years, but some of the new ones that we've added here in 2022 and 2023. Uh, so now we're gonna talk about um, some numbers that we got. Uh, we've actually just did an analysis with the University of Maryland Center for Democracy and Civic Engagement. And this is an analysis of, of voters across the board. And uh, so you all will be some of the first folks to hear this. We got some of these uh, um, results and some of uh, the calculations back uh, earlier in April, so about mid-April, and we're actually publishing some of that today. So if you're already signed up um, as one of our supporters, you may be receiving an email with some of the statistics that we're going to talk about, some of the numbers that we've seen across the board. And so we're going to jump into that right now and just talk about some of the high points um, and some of the numbers that stuck out to us as we were going through this information. 
And so young adults and voter ID, uh, we have a specific focus on uh, young adults um, here at Vote Riders. And some of these numbers will speak to why we do over 11, 11 million young people. And we uh, phrase that as 18 to 29 year olds do not have a current driver's license. And so that means um, in those uh, that they're in a voter ID state, that can definitely hinder them. Again, that is the most common form of voter ID whenever state you're in. And then over 3 million young people don't have an unexpired government issued ID. And so when you don't have either that driver's license or another state ID or government issued ID, that is going to hinder you. And then this last one sticks out as well. Among those groups, um, the biggest population, over 39% of 18 to 19 year olds do not have a license. And so that can stop you from doing license, being able to participate and cast that ballot. And so here at Boat Riders, we've done a lot of work to make sure that we're engaging with uh, students. I know here in Georgia, uh, when we were working for the runoffs, when we lead up to the elections, we've done a lot of work on HBCU campuses. Uh, we do a lot of work in high schools, working with high school seniors, trying to get to them before they get to college, make sure they're prepared. And a lot of them don't lead, end up going to college. When we're working with these high schools, we're working with um, programs that might be preparing uh, students for the workforce. So that ID is not just essential for them to be able to vote so that they can get a job and uh, move on to the next phase of their life. And so here at Boat Riders, we definitely want to have a target on young adult voters. And they are disenfranchised um, disproportionately because here in Georgia, um, if you are a if you are a young adult and you're in college, uh, we have a lot of IDs that are acceptable, but uh, student IDs, college IDs are only accepted from public institutions. So if you go to a private institution, so if you went to a school like Emory, or if you went to a lot of HBCUs, whether that's uh, Morehouse, Clark Atlanta, or Spelman, you couldn't use that ID to vote. And so that's a bear, um, that's um, not fair because if they went to a school like uh, University of Georgia or Georgia Tech, they would be able to use their student ID. And so we worked on college campuses, making sure that those kids had the ID that they need um, to cast that ballot and just to make their awareness. When you're talking to these students, they're not aware that say, hey, I didn't know my student ID could work. And they say, hey, I've lost my driver's license. I've lost my wallet like once or twice throughout my college experience. And so that's why you see that they can be uh, disproportionately impacted by some of the laws, especially here in Georgia. So we're making sure that they're prepared and we're building our footprint, working with campus partners and trying to even get them before they get to college um, at the high school level so that we can prepare them uh, for the next step in life and make sure that they have that ID they need to be successful. And so people of color um, and voter ID. So these numbers uh, reflect uh, some of the folks uh, different um, races and the lack of ID. Uh, we'll start with African-Americans, 1.86 million, about 6.2% of African-Americans do not have a current photo ID. Uh, we move over to Hispanic-Americans, that number is also 1.86 million, 6.1%. And then Native Americans, that's about 4.5% of their population without photo ID. And then you see the jump uh, when we talk about Asian and Pacific Islander Americans and white Americans, that their numbers are um, significantly lower, 1.6% um, for Asian and Pacific Islanders and white Americans, 2.3%. And so when we see these numbers, again, when we're engaging with community partners, reaching out, doing our letter write, doing our text banking, we're trying to make sure that we include these folks in the conversation, make sure that we're reaching out to them purposefully and dutifully so that we can have that impact and make sure that they have all the things that they need uh, to be successful. And so just some more numbers that stuck out to us from 
um, the analysis that we did with the University of Maryland that I wanted to share with you. Um, over 18.5 million people who did not complete high school or whose highest level of ed education is high school um, do not have a driver's license. So again, um, we see that disparity um, when you see folks that go to higher learning, um, whether that's going to college, getting a doctoral degree, going to medical school, um, they're more likely to have the ID they need to vote and be part of that conversation. But folks who may not complete high school or complete high school, and again, look to enter the workforce um, directly after high school, they are impacted uh, more significantly by these voter ID laws. Um, and then we talk about folks that are low income. This is uh, really troubling when you say over five times, they're five times more likely not to have a driver's license if you make um, $30,000 or less compared to folks who make $100,000 or more. And so when we're doing these work, again, uh, we're working in a lot of shelters. We're working in a lot of um, low-income communities to make sure they have it. And that's why we want to make sure that having that ID is never an issue um, and we always provide those services free of charge because money should not stop you from having access to the polls. Um, money should not be a reason why you cannot vote. And so that is why we do those services, provide um, our assistance free to the voters that we're working with every day. And then lastly, I think um, the first two kind of speak to the last one. Um, adult Americans who were not registered to vote are three times more uh, likely to lack a driver's license than those who are registered. You'll see about 30% of them who um, are more likely compared to that 11%. And again, um, it just kind of serves as a deterrent. You say, hey, I know I need an ID to vote. I don't have an ID. I don't have the money to get one. I don't know how to get my birth certificate. I don't know the steps I need to take. And so you see that troubling um, thing that just says, hey, I'm not going to deal with it. My uh, voice isn't important. And so it discourages more and more people not to be part of the election, be part of the democratic process. And so those are just some of the numbers that we've seen, some of the numbers I picked out from uh, that analysis that we did. But if you go to our website, you can see some of this information, read the whole study, see some other numbers that talk about the folks being impacted, uh, voters of color, younger voters that go into a little bit more detail. Um, it's a great read. Um, if you are signed up as one of our supporters, you should uh, be getting an email blast, I believe today or sometime this week that talks about uh, this analysis we did and just shares all of our findings um, across the board. But let's talk about Big Ten USA. Big Ten USA, has, of course, has been a great partner of vote riders. And in 2022, Big Ten USA volunteers um, were uh, responsible for over 6,460 letters. And so if you wrote any letters, if you were part of that hard work, I want you to take some time and give yourself a pat on the back and congratulate yourself because that is so impactful. I believe overall, um, through all of our letter writing parties, all of the work that we've done um, as an organization, we sent about 140,000 letters um, across all of our target states into 2022 campaigns. But as one organization, Big Ten USA uh, had the biggest impact as one group sending the most um, letters substantially. And that shows a lot. We worked with organizations like Target. We worked with CBS Paramount. Uh, we've had a lot of schools and a lot of universities host letter writing parties. But as a collective, you all stepped up the most and had that biggest impact to send almost 6,500 6, letters. And so that is so grateful. That is why we're looking forward to you continuing to do that work with Go Writers because now we do have. Um, that continued letter writing campaigns. And currently we are targeting four states. Uh, Ohio and Texas are some of our key states that we're focusing in, 
Again, we talked about some of those new changes in Ohio. Uh, Texas has always been one of our states. Arizona and Florida are also available. So continue to reach out to Vanessa or request those letters because, again, there's no off year here at Vote Riders. We want to make sure folks are prepared. I know some of these states uh, just had an election coming up. In Texas, they have one um, that's just around the corner. But we want to make sure folks, they aren't able to vote in this past election, that they're ready for the next next local, next presidential election, whatever the case may be. And so we hope um, in 2023 and 2024, these numbers continue to grow from Big Ten USA. And we're so thankful for the work that you all have done to make sure that we're able to impact and help as many uh, voters as possible. And so lastly, spreading the word um, about the work that we're doing here at Vote Riders is so important. That is how we build our coalition, how we find great volunteers, how we find great partners like Big Ten USA. And so I encourage you, um, if you're not already doing so, take some time to follow Vote Riders on all social media platforms, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we're newly on TikTok as well, so definitely follow us. Uh, see what we're doing. We love to post the work that our volunteers are doing. You'll see some of the pictures we have from volunteers text banking, writing letters, just sharing their impact. Share it, tag us when we post it, and we want your network, your community to see the great work and then step up just like you um, and make sure that they're part of the work that we're doing here at Boat Riders. And of course, folks um, love to donate. They also um, help support us in that way. And that just has a big impact. And if you're ever led um, to giving that way, you can always go to boatriders.org dash donate. I always like when I talk about donations to pass out, um, talk about the $50 mark, uh, because when we're starting with folks, a lot of these folks need um, birth certificates before they're able to get that ID. And so when we're ordering birth certificates, no matter what state we do it in, that costs about $50, maybe a little bit more in some states uh, to get that birth certificate. So when we make a donation of that size, that goes to making sure that vote rider is, or that volunteer, or that voter, excuse me, um, is one step closer to getting the ID that they need and being able to successfully cast a ballot. And so lastly, uh, please keep in touch again. It's at Boat Riders across all platforms. Um, make sure you follow us, see what we're doing, share that with your networks and your community. And then VoteRiders.org backslash volunteer. Um, if you're not already, I encourage you to sign up for our volunteer um, information just so you can hear about upcoming letter writing parties we're having text banks. We have a text bank um, coming up this week. We're going to be targeting Florida and Pennsylvania voters ahead of um, upcoming local elections in those states. Uh, if you want to help with voter ID assistance, that's how you get all those updates about the great work that we're doing, how you can get involved virtually, and even potentially on the ground if you're in some of our key states. And then volunteer at voteriders.org. Again, if you have any questions about the work we're doing, how you can get involved, feel free to shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you, respond, and make sure that we're able to help you um, join the work uh, that we are doing at Boat Riders. I believe there's one more slide, and that is just the heart um, because volunteers, um, supporters are the heart of what we do, and that's the impact. And so you'll see a lot of our volunteers, a lot of people that we've worked with across um, our time here at Boat Riders stepping up and some of the pictures that they've shared with us to have that impact. Um, but again, I want to thank you all for uh, listening to me, listening to the work that we do here at Boat Riders. And now I'm excited to see how many folks will join our letter writing campaign, possibly join us for our upcoming text bank and see the impact that we'll have. Because again, Texas, Ohio, those states, um, we want to flood those states with information. 
Arizona and Florida as well. And we're going to continue to bring some of our other key states in. I know Georgia uh, specifically, we have a list we're working on uh, that we just got from the Secretary of State. When we clean that, we're going to be starting to offer uh, letter writing opportunities into Georgia sometime in the summer, early June or July. Um, we're going to probably be adding North Carolina as well, because again, we just talked about the changes that we've seen in the state of North Carolina. Uh, we've always been writing to Wisconsin, so probably open that opportunity again. But again, Arizona, Texas, Ohio, Florida, they need to hear from you. They need to send letters. When I'm talking to our coalition coordinators, they're speaking with partners. They're looking at data that says um, when folks receive um, letters, especially um, people of color, that makes them more likely to engage in a an election or to reach out. It's more effective than text banking or phone banking because it has that personal touch. It has um, that sincere touch um, that folks um, can actually engage with and will take in the information that they're receiving and then eventually reach out to vote writers if they need um, the help or share that with someone else or they'll just be encouraged to go vote, make sure their voice is heard. And so uh, make sure you're part of that impact, the great work that vote writers doing and the great work that the folks at uh, Big Tank USA are doing. But with that being said, that concludes my presentation. And I think I will open, I see a lot going on in chat. I haven't been able to read anything yet, but open it up for some questions. All right, I am going to uh, help direct some of these questions. First of all, Sylvester, thank you. That was incredible. Told you guys, amazing, so amazing. What you all are doing is amazing. Uh, there are a lot of questions. Uh, I'm going to sort of put a couple of things together into one question here. There's there's questions about the letters. Um, have you done randomized controlled studies to see how effective they are? But I also think there is some confusion about what exactly is in the letters. You're not writing to unregistered voters, right? The letters are to registered voters, um, I believe. But talk a little bit more about what's in the letters and and where you get the addresses for the letters and um, whether you've done been able to determine their effectiveness. Please, thank you. Um, so I'll start with the last part, the effectiveness. We're actually doing a study. Uh, we keep track of all the voters we write to. Um, and so we're running our data through Catalyst and getting some of the reports back on voters we reached out to if they participated in um, the past election in the 2022 cycle. And so we're actually in the process of doing that now. We just sent that out to State Voices and Catalyst, and we'll get some of that um, back uh, hopefully soon and be able to have that metric. This is the first year we're going to be actually able to engage, to engage some of that information. And so we're going to be sharing those numbers later in the year as we get those back. And that's not just folks we write letters to, but folks who reach out to our helpline, folks that have been in contact with vote writers um, who said they need ID, how likely, and if they participated in um, the elections in this past 2022 uh, cycle. And so to answer uh, your next question, are the letters effective? Uh, we definitely hear from different folks. I know I was uh, just on a call with our Florida coalition coordinator, and we were meeting with State Voices. They published a study that said African-American voters um, were um, X amount of times more likely to vote if they received the letter rather than receiving a text or not voting at all. Um, I just know personally, when you are when you see, receive a lot of texts, they may not just be coming from vote writers. A lot of times they're not. They're coming from all across the board. Uh, folks say, ah, they're uh, spamming my phone and they get annoyed. And sometimes that can turn folks off. Again, that letter has that personal touch um, to folks and they're able to engage with it. And to talk on what's in the letter, 
Uh, here at Vote Riders, we have a letterhead that's specific to each state. Um, what's included is the acceptable forms of ID for that state, information on how to reach out to Vote Riders, so our helpline, our website, if they have any questions or if they need any assistance. And then we ask the volunteer to add a specific uh, short note at the top of it, um, just to add that personal touch. And so that's what's included in all the letters, uh, that voter ID information, that state-specific uh, and then the contact information for vote writers as well. Depending on the campaign, depending on when we're sending these letters, sometimes we include in that letterhead um, upcoming election dates as well, uh, whether if we're doing something um, leading up to election, but if we're doing one of our general uh, letter writing campaigns, it will just have that uh, vote voter ID specific information and uh, how to contact vote writers. And then uh, lastly, how we source some of this information. Uh, we source it from two ways. We source it from BAM, which stands for Voter Activation Network, and then we source it from uh, usually lists provided by the Secretary of State. I'll talk about the last one first. When we receive these lists from the Secretary of State, uh, we get those for several states. Uh, I know here in Georgia, that's the list that we use when reaching out to voters. Uh, for Ohio, we're using a list like that, and um, Arizona. And so when we receive those lists, uh, the, those lists specifically for um, Georgia and Ohio, those are lists of folks that are registered to vote, but they don't have an ID on file with the state. And so we're, we've just started um, digging into that list for Ohio, but I know uh, personally uh, from the work that we've done here in Georgia, a lot of those folks we reach out to, uh, they don't have ID. Some of them do possibly have ID, but it's just not attached to their voter registration file. And so that letter also serves as them, uh, making them aware so they can update that so they don't run into any issues. But I know I've personally met, um, we've told, uh, we tell the story when we're doing some of our letter writing the story um, of a voter named Keith. Uh, I, in my Georgia coalition coordinator role, uh, we had great volunteers that helped him through the process, make sure he had all his documents, but I met him at the DDS, uh, that's what we call uh, the DMV here in Georgia. And so we helped him, we paid for his ID and I'm waiting for his Uber to come pick him up. And I asked Keith, I'm like, how did you hear about the work that we're doing here at Boat Riders? And so um, what he did among all the documents that he brought, he pulled out a letter that one of our volunteers had written. And he said, I received this letter in the mail. And so that's why I reached out to you. And so these letters are going uh, to folks um, that need that assistance. And that's how we uh, source some of those names from those uh, lists we received from the Secretary of State. And then on the other end, we're using VAN. Uh, we go into VAN and we put in some of those demographics when we're talking about populations who we know who are disproportionately impacted. Uh, we use that as a factor. We also use voting history if folks may have voted before or may not vote in the past and see that there might um, that might be a reason why they've stopped voting. And so we put all those different um, demographics, all those fields into the uh, to the van system, and that spits out the list that we use for states when we source those um, lists from van. That is amazing. Um, thank you for that answer. Uh, okay, uh, I have another question. This is from Devon Murphy Anderson. How is Vote Writers overcoming the fatigue and low morale among a lot of folks with our shared values and in democracy defending spaces? Have they had any success with messaging strategies to get our folks involved by volunteering and taking action? Yeah, and and that is a great question because the fatigue is real. You see that across the board when I'm meeting with uh, state partners and other partners. They're saying it's hard to get folks engaged. And um, one way is we try to keep our we try to keep our opportunities fresh. Try to keep um, give multiple ways that people can engage. Um, if you're in the ground in one of our key states like Georgia, like Florida, um, Texas. Um, Wisconsin, we try we try to get folks out and try to 
um, make sure that they know the urgency of what we're doing and try to make sure that they know the work that we're doing is not just related to vote, um, voting. It's impactful across the board and making someone's life a little bit easier um, to be a little bit more impactful. Um, and so that has always been encouraging to volunteers saying, hey, uh, this person needs this ID to vote, but they need this ID because they can't get housing, but they're trying, they've accepted a job, but they need um, their driver's license to complete the documentation that they need for the onboarding. And so things like that are uh, go a long way and just kind of make sure we're relaying this message that we're helping folks in a holistic manner that is not just going to lead to them voting, but lead to them being able to participate in other aspects um, of society. And then I'll say uh, a lot of these events, we try to do uh, virtual events, try to bring in some of our uh, vote riders, ambassadors, or partners just to uh, add to the impact that we're having a lot of these, a lot of folks, um, when they have that virtual opportunity, it's not as big as the commitment per se as going in person or doing something like that. And then we set it up so when you do things like letter writing, when you do um, things like text banking, we try to do let folks do that independently as well. So you can do it when you have um, some extra time, when you're maybe sitting around with the family, or maybe if you're going on a camping trip or something like that. So you can kind of incorporate it into your everyday lives, and that's some of the things and strategies we've used that we've found successful to make sure that volunteers stay engaged, uh, even in an off year or when um, uh, we seem fatigued from all that that's going on um, in the political atmosphere. Fantastic, thank you. Oh, by the way, somebody had asked, are these slides, are your slides going to be available after the presentation? Do you normally make those slides available? Um, I can definitely share that um, with uh, Vanessa and Kitty and they can pass them along to anybody that wants to. Uh, Great, okay. Uh, early on in the chat, somebody had asked whether the voter suppression or the sort of voter ID laws in Florida and Texas contributed to the results of the governor's elections. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I can't say specifically. I, I would say um, a lot of folks were uh, disenfranchised. Texas specifically, they had about, I believe it's 13% of their uh, absentee or mail-in ballots were rejected because of their voter ID laws. And that was extremely high um, from past election cycles where it was only one and 2%. So that pay, uh, played a big factor in um, a lot of people not having their voices heard. I know uh, when we were working in Texas specifically uh, for the primaries, we received um, a list of voters that had their absentee ballot rejected because of ID. And so those are the folks that we um, focused on with our letter writing to Texas and to do text banking. And a lot of them weren't even aware that their absentee ballot was rejected. So that could have definitely played a part. I can't say specifically that swayed the election um, in one way or the other, but we we see a high number of folks whose um, ballots were rejected or them not having ID and not being able to make sure that they're able to have their voice heard. So it does um, play a role uh, where that lands on who gets the governorship. Um, can't say specific. Okay, I'm going to inject one of my own questions here, Sylvester, if I may. So I've done a couple of uh, TikToks about voter ID laws and, uh, you know, a pushback that I will commonly receive, and I'm sure you've heard it as well, is people saying, well, every country in Europe has voter ID laws. So like, why are you complaining about America having voter ID laws? Like, why? what's wrong with requiring people to have an ID? That's how everybody else does it. What, what do you say when people use that argument with you? Well, what I say is because when you usually hear people um, supporting voter ID laws, they talk about 
um, election fraud, um, folks voting illegally, things like that. And that's why they're necessary. Uh, but when you just look at the numbers overall, um, that's that's usually not the case. You don't have people double voting, voting in multiple precincts or things like that. And that um, numbers just don't speak to that. Uh, you see that these voter ID laws, they have disproportionate impacts on people of color, younger voters, as we talked about it. Um, when you look at just North Carolina, for example, uh, that's why their voter ID law um, was held up in the courts for so long. And they had to rewrite it, reword it so that they could pass that through. And because uh, we've had uh, Pam, who works in North Carolina on the staff since 2020, she joined uh, right after me um, at the beginning of 2020. And so we've had an eye on North Carolina and we've been waiting to do that. But you see that when the courts say this is uh, racist or this is disproportionately impacting folks, you need to reword this or change this. Um, that is who we see who is most impacted. And so if you want to have a, a, a not a perfect democracy, but a democracy that's um, representative of the people who are supposed to be voting, you don't want to add more hurdles to the way, um, hurdles to the access to the ballot box. And when you know that folks aren't using this opportunity to cast multiple ballots or do anything nefarious, um, it doesn't necessarily bode well to saying that these ID laws need to be in place and they need to be stricter and stricter uh, because you're not, you're not protecting against um, anything that's actually happening or that's manifesting when it comes to folks actually voting. Right, thank you. That is a great answer. And a couple of people have asked about legislation. So is there legislation to, you know, um, to make it easier for people to get IDs? Like if Republicans are going to continue to insist that everyone has a voter ID, is there any kind of federal legislation pending that would help people get their IDs or, or, or have there been any bills you have seen that have sort of spoken to this problem? Yes. And so um, not aware of anything federal that's going to make it easier for folks to get ID. And But you do see some states uh, take action on um, like a state by state basis to either uh, in, introduce stricter ID laws or to keep or roll back some of their ID laws. I know uh, specifically focusing on Georgia, we ended our legislative session about um, a month or so ago, and um, the ACLU, Georgia, they were making a push to make uh, uh, private institutions, private universities and colleges allow their IDs to be acceptable along with public institutions. Uh, that uh, that bill did not pass or make it to the floor here in Georgia, but it's, uh, it's engagement like that on a state-by-state -state level to say, hey, we see this issue, we see where there's a loophole in it, um, we want to act on it. That's kind of where the changes uh, are. Uh, here at Vote Riders, personally, we don't advocate against or for any legislation um, in our 501c3 status, but we, we just look to see what the field is. When we see these changes, we want to make sure that folks are aware that, hey, this is on the line, um, be prepared in case this change. And then if it happens to go into um, action or it happens, the law happens to change, we definitely make sure that we're amplifying our message to say, now you need to be prepared in this capacity. And so again, um, not aware of anything federal, but on a state-by-state -state basis, folks um, try to take steps to make sure uh, that these laws aren't uh, 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 disproportionately impacting or disenfranchising more people. And sometimes you see that succeed and sometimes um, that's not the case. Okay. 
Excellent, thank you. Uh, and then we've had a few questions. Uh, there's just like a lot of engagement in the chat because people are excited about the work you guys are doing about the timing of your letters. Um, when is it? When are they best timed to go out in order to be helpful for elections? Uh, do you change the content of your letters post elections given what you learn? Things like that. Yeah, and so um, again, uh, back when we started this our letter writing campaigns back in 2020 there was a big thing about oh the u.s mail and it's the mail is slower they won't be delivered in time and so we um don't really see those issues now and so we have uh letter writing campaigns going uh, on throughout the years so some of them are evergreen again when we have these letterheads the core of them have that um essential voter ids um state specific information and then how to contact vote writers uh, when we are working around elections, whether that's uh, general elections, primary elections, or local elections, uh, we do change that letterhead to reflect some of those key dates. Um, when you have to sh uh, send in your absentee ballot, when is the last day to vote early, or when an actual election day is. And so we do change um, letterheads around that, and then um, so that those are more specific to upcoming um, election dates. And we usually and we phrase that usually when we're doing team meetings. Um, we have cutoffs for when we send those specific letters, like say maybe a week and a half or two weeks before the election, just so we give the time for the letters to get delivered because we have volunteers across um, the United States. Some are coming from in-state, some are coming from across the country. Make sure they have time to get to those voters and they have time to reach out to vote writers if they have any questions. So uh, the letterhead and the context in it uh, does vary and sometimes change based on when local elections or upcoming elections happen. But when we're not focused on um, an election or there's not one on the horizon, we send those kind of evergreen letters that just have our contact information um, and the IDs you need to vote in that state. Okay, well, thank you so much. I think that we are out of time for more questions, but if you have more questions, you can always contact vote writers uh, directly. Um, I want to thank Sylvester so very, very much for coming and giving us an incredible presentation on something that people just don't really think about that often. Um, but it is, uh, yeah, someone really wants to know about letters versus postcards, but I don't think we have time right now, Robin, but I hope you will get that question to uh, vote writers. Um, but this is something that people don't think about that, uh, that honestly needs to be thought about more in our very uh, voter suppressive um, atmosphere. So thank you for the vital work that you all are doing. Um, thank you to everybody who attended today. Uh, are there any last uh, words from our, our uh, uh, Big Tent uh, uh, other co-presenters here? Does anyone want to close with anything else, Susan? Um, I If we could just... Um... Vanessa, can you put the um, the link in the chat? There is a great campaign going on. We're going to have those two campaigns for vote writers up on the website as soon as we get them. But in the meantime, if you're feeling frustrated about Fox, Tucker, the media disinformation, mega media disinformation, um, there's a great campaign that's put together by Media Matters um, that we are going to be promoting on social media and on our website no Fox fees. It's really, really important to let your carrier, if you are a cable subscriber, to let your carrier know that you do not want to pay for Fox. That's how they get their money. So many advertisers have left Fox. So please, please take a look, click on the link and make that phone call. It's very, they made it very easy. All of the numbers are available to you. So, and check out our website for upcoming events. But 
On behalf of Big Tent USA, I want to thank Sylvester Johnson for Vote Writers and Jessica Craven. Check out her newsletter, subscribe. And thanks everyone um, for coming to Big Tent today. We really appreciate your time. We're we're in this. We're in this. We're gonna, we're gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be a long haul, but we're gonna do it. Okay. Thanks everyone for coming today. See you soon. Thank you again, everybody, so much for being here. It's amazing to see you. Thank you. Thank you, Sylvester. Thank you for the great work you're doing.